As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty is on the air now. Welcome back to 755 is Real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for The Athletic, with my co-host, Eric O'Flaherty, who's out in Washington. Looks like the house is coming together finally. Eric, are you going with a golf theme there? It looks black. Yeah, it's a dark room. Got a <laughs> wood ceiling up there, though, so it looks Ah, cool. that's nice, man. Yeah. That looks like my dive motel down in uh, Venice with the wood ceiling. That's <laughs> yep. the only th- way that it looks like it, though. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise... With my I've microwave never been in the house again, I can tell you that. With my microwave and the refrigerator, I didn't tell you about how I can't run them at the same time. So we had to unplug and one and move the microwave to the other side of the room to plug it in in, the, in this crappy motel. They know that too. The fuse went out when I did them. Yeah, I called the guy care. over. Go, are you kidding me with this? They don't care. There's there's been seven thousand people tell them that, and they just hook it right back yeah, up. And I leave. just as long as I don't get. Uh, Bed bugs or scabies from that bed. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be happy to get out of spring training. I'm going to go back there and stay ten more days in that. You place. have to pay for your own hotel. Of course not. What the hell, man? So you just chose that place. I chose that place because we're given a budget this year. Ah, so you and, have you heard what the price of hotels is in Florida? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Outrageous to stay in a crappy Comfort Inn or a Fairfield Inn. Over 300 a night. A night. You oh, pay what you wild. pay for a nice hotel in New York to stay at a Fairfield Inn in, in Venice right now. And if I do that, I wouldn't even be able to go back. I burn up the budget so fast. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to stay in this dive, you know. I paid, I think night. it was like 15000 one spring for, it was a house that wasn't furnished for like a month and a half, you know, however, two yeah. months in Sarasota. And that, that was the best deal I could get. Because well, nobody will rent to you on that short-term lease. Bowman's in a crappy little B, air, crappy little house in Airbnb, and he got a great deal, and he's still paying two hundred a night. So you figure over forty nights—that's eight grand right there. Yeah, the house is down there this year because a lot of people that have hurricane damage moved into houses, hotels. A lot of the actual Airbnbs are not even open because they were damaged. So the result is they're gouging. They're gouging. Right. So it sucks. You also got spring breakers. So yep. Anyway. Nobody wants to hear about that crap, but that's why I'm in the dive. Uh, it does have charm. It's old Florida. And, and, but I tell you what, man, 
the location is so much better than any of those hotels or where the other guys are staying. Because I'm a mile from the beach in Venice. So I can get up and run on surface streets in the morning in the dark and run like yeah, to the yeah. beach. You can't do that when you're staying out of the Fairfield Inn by I-70. There's nothing right, right. out there. There's nothing. There's a bunch of restaurants. I'm near downtown Venice. I can walk to some restaurants. There's a record store. There's a Publix there. I mean, so, you know, the location is great. Great. It's and, and when I go back, I could have stayed out there, you know, to Fairfield Inn. But I that drove me crazy last year, man. It's near nothing. So anyway. All right. Let's get to it here. Um, Early impressions. So, oh, I wanted to ask you about Kyle Wright. You know, he, we talked a little bit about him last time. He had he had some uh, shoulder soreness in January. So he got a cortisone shot for the first time in his career. Which that kind of surprised me because a lot of guys who've struggled going back and forth have you know had to, had a cortisone injection at some point by now, but this was his first. And he said, you know, he had talked to a bunch of pitchers, and some said, you know, two weeks they never had any more problems the rest of the season. Other guys said it barked again, you know, a month later. But he said, I'm fortunately I'm in the 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 the, the, the former group because he's had no problem since then. And he said, this is the first time in, in a few years that his shoulder has felt really smooth and not at all. Uh, what did he call it? Catchy or sticky. He said, it hasn't felt like that at all. So he's really fired up. I mean, he threw a bullpen yesterday, a real bullpen. He threw one a few days ago that was just fastballs, but this time he threw his slider and his curve, um, and, um, our sinker and his curve. He's, he's, he's excited, man. And he says his shoulder feels great. He actually thinks it might, help his four-seamer a little bit, which is, you know, just been an okay pitch for him, but he thinks it might give it a little more ride with his shoulder being able to extend a little more with a with a nice, smooth shoulder. Yeah, I mean, cortisone shots, when they hit, when they work, they're magic. Uh-huh. Um, That's what I mean, he described. I, it was hit or miss for me. I, I had a few. I think I had one in my elbow that was like, shit, I feel 19 again. Uh-huh. And I had one in my shoulder that did nothing. You know, I think it, it depends on what you have going on in there, but if it's usually, like, if it's strictly inflammation – you know, maybe a minor tear or something that's not really major, but the joint's just like really inflamed. Uh-huh. Um, it, three days after that thing, it's like, yeah, I, you feel like you just put 10 years back on your arm, you know, and you can't, you can't continue to do them, you know? And right. I, I think the reason right. he's, this is his first one is because teams don't just right. hand them out like they used to. It used to just be like, hey, you, you want some Volterran? You want to try Corson? Yeah. Whatever gets you on the field, you know, they were going to give you. But I think they're more aware of the the long-term effects and the risk and the investment they have in the players now where you're just, you're not getting one every day. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's incredible what, you know, I was talking to somebody about it the other day and they were saying something about some player, there's an article about a guy saying like, you know, he's only pitching when he feels good this year or something like that, or that's his goal is to feel good every time. I said, if I pitched, if I only pitched when I felt a hundred percent, I'd have like 17 career games. Yeah. You know, cause there's always something hurting some, something just, you know, hindering your ability to like fully let sure. go. But anytime you get to taste that again and just feel it a hundred percent and there's nothing restricting your movement and you can just throw it like you're a little kid. Oh man, it's so much fun. So if he's there right now, I, I can imagine he's pretty happy with it. And the reason obviously that they don't like give them out like they used to is because they realize it just masks something that's there or it can. So you might be pitching through something when you when they want you to feel that discomfort to know right. that your body responding to tell you, hey, we got to back down a little bit or whatever. But if you do it 
on a minimal or co- uh, uh, a uh, conservative basis, it can just help you get through, help you get the inflammation down again. So yeah, that is the way it's supposed to work. But I assume they gave them an, an MRI before they just started injecting it too. So you know if, if yeah. there's nothing major in there and it's just been bothering for a long time, you're not afraid to do it. But there's also something it, it breaks down the tissue. You know, every uh-huh. time you you inject that in there, it, it mm-hmm. does something to the tissue where it weakens it. And I mean, I know Moilo had like I don't even like an amount you can't even count. Like he probably right. couldn't even tell you how many shots he had, but he'd get them all the time. And then eventually it was like, Hey, there's just nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't have an arm anymore, but so he had to have his, all his surgeries he had. Well, it's like a lot of football players, man, yeah. that get shot up at halftime so they can keep playing. I mean, get yeah. ankles, knees shot up. I mean, and they just keep playing and, but if that builds up and they end up retiring at 30 and they can't walk, you know? Yeah. So, I've but, experienced it. Cause I took so many, uh, I took a lot of Volterran when I was pitching and Volterran, same thing, you know, after two or three days, getting all that inflammation out of you, you're able to just keep chucking and chucking. And it's like you said, though, you know, it's, if there's some kind of damage in there and you're, you're masking it to where you don't feel it, you're just right. eventually making that problem bad enough where it's right. You're not, the anti-inflammatory is not going to work anymore. And then right. since I've retired, I've relied on that so much that my body actually doesn't fight inflammation very well anymore. Cause it's like, where's yep. my Volterran? <laughs> yeah, it's like, I want to go shoot hoops with my kid. My knees are killing me. My uh-huh. body's like, we're going to need some pills, bud. So it's kind of, it's something that you don't, it's a position. I think teams have gotten smart and realized they don't want to keep just finding ways to get sure. guys on the field. They want them on the field healthy. Right. And that's why you see guys get shut down nowadays and, and they're out longer than they used to be and that kind of thing. Yeah. Cause they've invested so much money, especially these pitchers. Yeah. They can't afford that for them to do something far worse by just pushing a guy. So. It's not like it used to be. Just shoot it up and keep going. Um, I miss those days. <laughs> you feel tough when you do it. Yeah, just shoot me up. I bet, man. <laughs> like, cut me, Mick. Yeah, throw me back <laughs> out there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he said the shoulder's been bothering him a couple years, man. Um, and this was the first time it's really been smooth for a while. But, you know, you get used to to working around stuff or pitching with stuff and it takes a while to get loose or whatever. And you, and you don't really notice it cause it's just a gradual thing. Yeah. And a lot of those injuries, you know, like this, the shoulder's been bothering me for years, or this has been bothering me for years. It's not necessarily that it, it's bothering him in the game. Right. It, right. It's like my elbow, my like elbow, bothered day, me. that kind of thing. Yeah. My elbow bothered me for four or five years before I had the Tommy John surgery, you know, on and yeah. off, you know, there'd be two months where it just hurt every day. But once you're fully like got that lather and you kind of break through that first session of throwing and, and uh-huh. you threw earlier in the day and kind of break things up, once you're fully sweaty and, you know, full adrenaline and you're in the game, you're not feeling it. It's not restricting you. But what that does do is it keeps you from practicing the way that, that you pitch. So if he thinks his four seamer is better now, he's probably able to actually work on it and get through it. Uh, when he's not fully at 100%. You know, uh-huh. when, you, th- when you'd feel is when you're at 60, 70, 80% warming up and doing all that stuff. Um, and if he's not feeling it at all ever, then he's able to throw free all the time. That's when you can really work on stuff. Uh, for those who might not be following the game today, the Braves are on their only overnight trip. They used to always take an overnight trip from Orlando where they go down to West Palm, stay overnight, play the Cardinals one day, the, the Marlins the next day. Well, they're still doing that overnight trip only because MLB does the scheduling for spring training. If the Braves had their druthers, they would stay, you know, on that on the west side of uh, Florida. 
and commute, you know, an hour or less basically to all the places other than like Tampa and Clearwater and Dunedin, but those aren't much further. But anyway, they would not do this trip if it was up to them, but they're over there. But you'll see hardly any regulars in that lineup because they just didn't take, they weren't going to make the veterans and uh, even the young veterans, established guys drive, you know, take a bus across the state and spend overnight in a hotel. So uh, as a result, you have a few of the, of the projected main guys or a couple like Vaughn Grissom. But uh, for the most part, it's all guys fighting for jobs or minor leaguers and all that. And, they jumped all over the Mets early, man. They're up 6-0 in the seventh inning. And I think the the one thing, really, the couple of good things you could take from this, I know it's just a spring draining game, so you can't take a lot, but the Mets started Carrasco, and Eli White hit a two-run homer off of him. Eli White's one of the guys competing for left field. And I really was been impressed with him just to, you know, he's a really fit guy, a pretty big guy put together and can run, man. He's a really good defensive outfielder. And if he hits it all, I mean, he's got a shot. He's got a real shot. And another guy, Kevin Pillar, is one of those guys that's competing for that. He's over there. He signed a minor league contract. He's over there. He's looked pretty good early in camp. Um, Luplo, guy that they thought really had a good shot, he's been bothered early on by a, an oblique strain, so he hasn't played yet. Uh, but uh, so, so the uh, some of the other fifth starter, uh, fifth, uh, fourth and fifth outfielder guys have looked pretty good, and that's really a good sign for Eli White to go over there and do that off Carrasco, not, not off some, you know, double a pitcher that you're not going to see all season. So, uh, Vaughn Grissom continues to play well. I've really been impressed with him so far. He's hitting about five fifty so far. It's just spring. You're not going to get carried away, but he's hitting the ball hard. Um, he's hitting the ball him in the runner. field. Yeah. He's looked okay. You know, he hadn't got a lot of balls. No, I have nothing's really jumped out, but he's handled the routine stuff and looked fine. And in the drills, he looks fine. I mean, you know, it's not the super quick movements that you might see from some shortstops because he's like 6'4", 6'3", and long. But he's smooth. He's a lot smoother than he was a year ago. You can really tell he's worked with uh, with Wash so much because he's really his, – his movements look much more natural now, whereas before uh, – are much more fundamentally strong, whereas before I think he was working more on natural talent, athleticism. Yeah, yeah. And you saw a few careless mistakes last year at second base where he tried to maybe backhand a ball he didn't need to or tried to one-hand a ball. He's much more fundamentally sound now. And, uh, I mean, so far he looks fine out there when, when he's taking ground balls with Arcia and uh, and um, a, a Shoemake. They 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 all look fine out there. It's not like he goes, eh, you, you don't look at him and go, he looks rough out there. So we'll see. But, I, yeah, so far he looks fine. He's, and, he, and obviously – People forget how good a hitter he is because after that great start last year, the first couple of weeks, you know, pitchers, uh, teams adjusted to him, exploited, yeah. you know, his aggressiveness, that kind of thing, because he doesn't draw many walks. But he still, he ended up with really strong numbers for his first five weeks in the, in the majors with, like, no time above a ball hardly. And his, his bat-to-ball skills are great. I mean, he's going to hit. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I wouldn't worry about that at yeah. all with him. I mean, I mean, he launched one over the monster in his first game. My God, after getting called up and stuck into a second base that role that he'd hardly played compared to his experience at shortstop in the minors. Yeah, you're not look. I don't think. I mean, you're looking for him to be solid at the position. If he hits like that, I yeah, mean, just make the routine plays, make all the ones you're supposed to make. Maybe make an occasional 
spectacular play, but he ain't going to make a lot of them like, you know, Dansby may, but I think he can make all the routine ones and that's all that counts. So that the drop off is not big cost. I mean, he might be a, I think he'll be a more consistent hitter than Dansby. He might not hit 25 to 30 homers like Dansby, but I think that you look at his OBP and that kind of thing. I think he might be a better all around hitter than Dansby pretty quickly all around. And as far as consistency. Yeah, it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be tough to replace what, uh, and then I think even comparing him to him or saying he's not this that Dansby was, he's not. It's not necessarily a, a knock on him. It's it, Dansby was a pretty easy player for me to appreciate. Yeah, you know? well, he was a pretty damn valuable player. Yeah, and he took a while to get him to to even yeah, do he what he did too. Yeah, I mean, defensively early on, Dansby was not great. I right. mean, he was good, but he wasn't great. He made a lot of mistakes early. And didn't hit. It was a very streaky hitter. He was a streaky hitter even last year. But when you're hitting 25, 30 homers and getting some big knocks, it's that not can that be big overlooked. a deal. Yeah. yeah, the overall numbers can be overlooked a little bit. So, Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Ozuna, the left fielder, they'd love to have look good this spring so they can play him and Rosario out there uh, and not have to DH him so much because I know they want to use the catcher to DH a lot. But Ozuna's not looked very good so far. I haven't thought he struck out a lot. And, uh, but we'll see. It's really early, and he's over 3 so far today. He's one of the guys that did have to make that trip over there today. <laughs> Tells you where <laughs> kind of he stands. Man. He's in no position to complain. <laughs> oh, that's those. there's some harsh realities when you get – you find, like I, I remember picture day one year. I was a non-roster invitee, and I didn't even have a jersey or anything. I was like, "Shit, I guess I'm <laughs> probably not making this team." You know, I just had a random jersey with a blank, you know, no number on the back to wear on picture day, or, or going on those trips when you have to go on those trips, or you can be a guy with like you know six to eight years in the big leagues, and you're pitching after some yeah. rookie that had a good two months in the big leagues last year. Yeah, you know, so he's in front of you, and it's like, all right. Or you're in group C or D with the pitchers. Yeah. You know, you're, you're rolling around with all the, the minor leaguers and you're just looking over <laughs> at the other field with all the big leaguers having fun. Yeah, right, I'm not making this team. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he had to look at that roster where they put it up yesterday and gone, okay, hey. it's Vaughn Grissom, who's a, for all intents and purposes a rookie. I mean, he's obviously, you're going to take him instead of Arcia just because of the experience factor. But the only guy that's really experienced and established that's gone over there is Ozuna. It's yeah. the guy that led the NL and homers and RBIs a few years ago. It, it just it tells you like this is your last shot yeah. here. Like yeah, they, your last couple of years have not been ideal, Marcel. We, we don't care if you're happy here or not anymore. You yeah, know, we we want to take this look at you, and this and, is how we're going to get it. So you're coming. That's that's a good way to put it. I mean, 
you know, we don't care if you're happier because frankly, we're not real happy to have you, but we need <laughs> yeah. you to produce because we got to yeah. pay you. So yeah, you're going, you need to show something, you know, and who's to say if he completely fell on his face this spring and one of these other guys steps forward and Rosario's looked pretty good so far, not great, but pretty good, a lot better than last year. You know, you can tell the vision has really affected him last year, but if he were to step up like Alec, Eli white steps up, Who's to say the Braves wouldn't uh, eat a big chunk of that uh, contract and and trade him for you know if somebody would just take him you know in a, in a few million dollars a year? Yeah, that, the thing I don't know about him is I don't know how well uh, I don't know how he's liked in the clubhouse. He's okay. He's fine in the clubhouse and all that. Yeah, he's fine. That, he's not that, what people that turns think. into a big thing, right? He's not. He's not been the distraction that people think. And understandably think, because you would think a guy that's been arrested twice and, and caused as much consternation and talk and, and online chatter and all that would be a huge distraction. But he really hasn't been just because the clubhouse is so good. And to his teammates, he's not a jackass, you know? Yeah. No, it, that's it, the thing is, I mean, if you're working hard and treating people right. Right. And he's okay with his teammates. They, yeah. they are okay with him. I mean, you know, that's not to excuse what he's done off the field because there's no excuse for that. But. Yeah, he's fine in the clubhouse. So, if he wasn't, they would have got rid of him, even if they had to eat the thing. If he if he yeah. was a, if he was a jackball on top of what he's done, jackball. So, <laughs> so uh, oh, and then the other good thing out of today's game was Kobe Allard, uh, strong three innings against the Mets, and no hits, man. One walk, three strikeouts. His first outing was just okay. That was the game, the first game of the spring that ended on the controversial pitch timer uh, violation. Yeah. He started that game. Uh, this was obviously much, much better. And that they really like to see that because they, he's a guy they're going to count on to make some starts this year. They had 11 starters last year. The Braves are without announcing it like the Mets. They really are going to use a six man rotation for a lot of the year. Cause whenever they get a chance to rest a guy, they think a guy needs to skip a day or two. They're going to bring a guy up like Kobe Allard. He's got options. So we're going to see him during the year. Just a matter of how well he pitches, probably how many starts he does make. Well, he faced their – I mean, they had yeah. Pham, McNeil, Lindor, Alonzo, yeah. Escobar, Canna. Great lineup. Yeah, they had they had some starters and some studs in there today. I mean, yeah. that's the first thing I always look at. It's normally, you know, if a guy has a good start at home, you're more worried like, oh, they sent right. their B squad on the road. But when you go to a team's, you know, home facility, you're going to get their guys right. they want playing for them that year. So – that's the first thing I look for, and they have yeah, some studs so in there. Really encouraging. Yeah, I talked to him the other day. He's re- he was so excited to come back to the Braves, man, get back in the mix here, as he said, because all the guys here are guys that he was drafted and came up with. Yeah, you know the Acuna's, the Max Freeds was was had been traded over here. Uh, Soroka, uh, Mentor, all of them. I mean, he's he knows all these guys, so he's really comfortable from day one, which helps. And, and, you know, he obviously knows most of the coaching staff too. So including Snet. So we'll see, but he's only 25 years old still. I know he's been around a while, uh, but he's a former first rounder. You know, they, 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 they took him higher than he should have gone in that draft because he was signable and they could use some money to sign other guys and sign him under slot. But, uh, he's obviously a guy with some experience who could really be really big as a, as an extra starter. Yeah, I like that he's had some experience because, that, like for me, when a guy when when you have a guy come into camp and he happens to be the guy throwing the best and he's got no time, right? How he's throwing the ball in spring right. training to me means nothing. 
Right. You know, the results like Kyle Wright a couple of springs. Yeah. It's it, it's a lot it's a lot harder to rely on. And then when you have a guy that's been in the big leagues and maybe he's struggled, but at least he's been in the sure. big leagues, I have a lot more confidence in their uh good spring training transfer and over. And Ian Anderson, if anybody wants to take anything any positives out of his horrible outing, it's that he's never been good in spring training. And it hasn't been important in the past, but it is more important this year, obviously, because he's competing for the fifth spot. But I'm just saying I wouldn't draw too many conclusions on how he's pitched. I know that's hard. I know that's hard for people to accept, though, because he was so bad last year. You don't want to see him come out and struggle this year, but so far he has. Um, the fifth starter job has not gotten off to – the rip roar and start that the Braves hoped those guys would come out with. Okay. Soroka shows up with a hamstring, sore hamstring, strained it the day before, literally the day before driving down to report to camp. And he has not been, he's not pitched at the game. He just, he's not been, you know, he's been flat grounding it, making progress, but it's just slow. You know, how hamstrings can be, and they want to be careful with him. Obviously they don't want him. <laughs> he's the last guy you want favoring the other leg or whatever. Cause it's the, opposite one. It's the yeah. opposite one of the Achilles. Any imbalance in his lower half for me, I'm like, let's shut him down. <laughs> right. Which is why I heard, you know, which is why Snit made it pretty clear that it's probably not going to have enough time. Even like uh, three days ago, he's already saying it's not going to be enough time for him to win that fifth starter job, probably. Because this is the guy that's made three starts in the last three years. And all those were in uh, none since August 2020. Three well, he doesn't have to win it. That's the way I look at it. Right. Him. They just want him at some point. Some point, you know, I mean, if he gets called up in the middle of May, he can change the season. Sure. And that would probably be uh, more realistic, you know, if he if he's ready to go. Ian Anderson goes out and he and Bryce Elder both go out in their first outings and were not at all what you had hoped they would be, what you're looking for. You want one of those guys, any of them, to step forward. There's plenty of time for it to happen, obviously, and that's the beauty of a, a normal length string training like we're having this year instead of last year's three and a half weeks where you really couldn't. I mean, you, you had to guys, you had to make it. decisions quickly last year. This year is plenty of time. You notice Charlie hasn't even thrown yet. There's plenty of time for Charlie to make five starts, even if he just makes his first one this week. I mean, he can still make five starts, and that's all a guy like him needs to build up. Yeah. Um, and same thing for Kyle Wright. There's still plenty of time for him to build up and be ready, like at least by the back end of maybe that first season opening trip. Because uh, you could skip, you can skip your one start. You have an off day, so he can you can you can have Max start two games before you would need Kyle to stop to to pop in there like game six. You know, if if there's no setbacks between now and then. But anyway, I'm just uh, making a point that there's no rush, but you want one of those five starters obviously to step forward and so far not happening. Each of those guys go out for different reasons. Got, I mean, Ian goes out and, and walks three guys, gave up two home runs, gave up two walks before the second home run, gave a home run up on the slider, which is his big, the vaunted third pitch that he's, that he's honed since last year. And he felt pretty good about it, but he got, he hung one and gave up a, a home run on the slider. Uh, really struggled against twins. Didn't make it out of two innings. And he's hoping to come back and uh, in in the second start and apply what he learned, but uh, apply the, the mistakes he made from that and you move forward. But that's not a good sign, especially the walks, man. That's that that they just can't have him walking, guys. 
No, I don't think he has the overpowering stuff to to get away with walking guys. You know, I mean, he needs outs in the zone. But you know, it's tough. It's tough when it becomes a thing. Your struggles become a thing because one bad outing, anytime it happens, can you know kind of kick up that here we go again. Oh, he didn't change anything. He's the same yeah. guy. You're still him. Uh, he's in a tough, a really tough spot to get out of. You know, and it's it gets to the point where it's all mental. Yeah, um, and that's probably you know the walks and things like that is whether you're afraid to give up runs, whether the yep. control's just not there, whether you're trying to throw too hard. There's a lot of factors that can come into it, but it's mainly like for me, anytime I got into those, those ruts and, you know, I finally ended my career with one I couldn't get out of. It was two, yep. two years straight of, you know, a couple good games and then fall off the cliff again. You know, and it's, yeah. It's, it's a, it's really hard once it becomes a thing and, and in your own head, it's a thing and you go out there and even mm-hmm. all, all it can take is you face that first hitter and they just line drive one in the gap. And it's like, oh shit, you know, I'm going to, I might struggle today. Let me, then you start trying too hard and steam and yeah. kind of like s- snowballs on you. But it, when you're going good and you're coming off a good season and blah, 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 it, you know, the first guy hits a double in the gap and you're like, fuck it, I'm doing so good. It doesn't matter yeah. if I give up a run. You know, so it's like you, you're going to be more relaxed and more likely to get out of it. During my good years, I would give up a leadoff double, and I'd be like, all right, that guy's probably going to score. I don't care. And I'd just make pitches, you know, and continue the inning. And yeah. sure enough, you get, like a, an in, you get like an infield pop-up and then a ground ball double play, and you get out of that inning, you know, with no runs because you didn't stress it. You didn't try too hard. You didn't feel any pressure. And vice versa, when you're struggling and it's yeah. a thing, it's like you give up this leadoff double and it's like, oh, shit, here we go again. I can't let this run score or I'm having another bad outing. And how's that going to be perceived and read? And how am I going to feel about it? And all of a sudden you walk the next guy. Yeah. And then you give up a cheap hit and that run scores and you walk another guy and all of a sudden it's a four spot and you suck again. And it's like all this work I put in, I'm not able to take it out there because of my mindset. Yeah, and it's such a momentum, such a big thing in baseball. I, I just think Ian has to find a way to get momentum back on his side so he can stop having these outings. Um, before we discuss what uh, what Elder did in his start, another another big bright spot early on, Dylan Dodd, the left-hander, in that first game of the year that ended in the controversial uh, pitch timer clock ending. Dylan Dodd had a great outing in that one, pitched a couple of scoreless. Uh, a couple of uh, hitless, scoreless innings, no walks, and four strikeouts today against the Mets. The guy goes two and a third, three score, uh, two and a third, three hits, no walks again. So the, and four strikeouts. So he's got what eight strikeouts in four and a third innings with no walks so far. Man, that's pretty impressive. This kid. I mean, he's he's a prospect, legit. And I don't know anything about him. Legit prospect, the kind of guy that could move up pretty quickly. Um, you know the Braves have shown they don't, they will not hesitate to bring a guy from Double A, Triple A with hardly any experience above you know A ball if they think he can help them right away. So he's a starter. Yeah, but they but they're using him in a pen obviously this spring, and he could go. He'd be a great guy for middle if if they were to have an injury or someone struggle in that middle role, or they yeah. just wanted another guy maybe to pitch uh, long early on when some starters aren't ready to go long. Maybe he's a guy that you consider, but you know he, he's a form, he's got a former position player who's now a pitcher, and um, yeah, he's legit. He's a legit prospect. He's a uh, third rounder in twenty twenty one, but a college guy at Missouri State, so he's twenty four, almost twenty five. He'll yeah. be twenty five in June. 
So it's not one of those guys you got to have baby and wait, you know, for another three years for that kind of no, thing. Let's go time. What twenty five? You want to be? Yeah, starting to make a name for yourself. Yeah, and since he uh, moved over from hitting to full time pitching, man, he's really his his career has really uh, started to ascend. And you know, you didn't see this coming so this soon, but last year, you know, he had uh, you know he struggled at Rome, but in Double A last year, he had nine starts, three point one one ERA, fifty five strikeouts with thirteen walks and forty six and a third innings in Double uh, A. After 91 strikeouts, 17 walks in 89 innings in Rome at Roman in uh, A ball, gave up too many homers in A ball, but uh, or too many hits. But the strikes to walk out, the, the strikeouts to walks is outstanding. And for the year last year, you look at 153 strikeouts, 31 walks in 142 innings at three levels: high A, double A, triple A. One start in triple A, so he's only got one start above double A, one game, but. Again, at that age, if he's ready, he's ready. I didn't notice it when I was coming up. I didn't notice any difference between double A and triple A. Right, especially AAA, the big, big jump. But back then, it was like you know the triple A guys were just double A guys that were too old for right. AA. You know, there there wasn't like this this big jump. So you know, not having a lot of experience above double A never right. If it's an A ball guy, it's, it's kind of scary because anything right. that double A is kind of a separator for a lot of guys. But that's the big jump now, right? Double A. Yeah, single A to double A, you know, high A to double A right. is where a lot of guys find out they're not that good or shit, I'm better than I thought. Well, the Braves, like a lot of teams, even though their triple A part, triple uh, A team is closer than most, it's only a half hour away, 45, an hour away from the new park. Um, they, for years, have had most of their best prospects in double A. Yeah. And the and triple A has been the older guys. Yep. The journeymen, the guys you can pr- you bring up, you know, that are on minor league deals, yeah, you bring up in an emergency. For a weeks, right. Guys, yeah. With some exceptions, obviously. I mean, if a young prospect is blocked or there's not a position ready for him, then they bring him up triple A and have him there. Yeah. So they need to keep bringing him up. So, but I mean, look at last year. Harris and Vaughn Grissom both came from double A. Yeah. You know, they didn't struggle. <laughs> Did not struggle, especially Harris. <laughs> so and and Harris, but barely was even a double A. So less like third of the season. So anyway, so Dylan Dodd, he's been he's opened some eyes early on, man. He's been impressive. Yeah, you do it left-handed, man. You can it's a you could you could climb the ladder quick. Um having good stuff left-handed, having some balls and being able to pitch, and if he can handle going into the pen. Yeah. You know, a lot of guys don't want to give up the starting pitching dream, but you can get to the big leagues quick as a lefty reliever. Uh, the other fifth starter candidate, Bryce Elder, he made those five consecutive strong starts late last season. It looked like he turned a corner, obviously. He looked really good. He had that no-hitter deep into the game against the Nats. But all five of those were obviously were against the Marlins and Nationals, who were not world beaters last year. Uh, especially the Nats at the end. They had nobody left hardly after they traded Soda. They had a couple of good young players, but that's uh, – not the stars that they had before. Um, still, it was impressive. Those five outings, he had a 165 ERA, 181 opponents average. And the most important thing was after he had got demoted, after you know, pitching five early games, four starts, he got sent to AAA. And that was where it finally got through to him. You got to trust your stuff, even though you don't throw that hard. Those strikes, let him put it in play. And once he yeah. started doing that, it was night and day for him. So in those five starts after he got, came back, he had 33 strikeouts, nine walks, 32 and a third innings. The first five games he pitched last year, 5-4-80 or a 394 opponents average, 
14 walks, 14 strikeouts, 21 and a third. So he was just like completely different pitcher when he came back up. So the only uh, good part about his first start of the spring against the Yankees was he still was throwing strikes. He's letting them put it in play. <laughs> Unfortunately, the game started with three straight shingles and a grand slam. But he still didn't walk, guys. Yeah, I mean, sometimes in spring training, it's it's tough, too, depending on which guys you face. But A couple of ground ball hits, singles. Give up some cheap singles. You're, you're throwing a lot of fastballs. They know you're throwing a lot of fastballs and strikes. And it's weird. You know, you have guys that – are just running into things, swinging at everything in spring training. It's almost, a, it, you know, goes against you to be throwing too many strikes. Yeah. Because yeah. guys are, especially yeah. young guys, Aggressive. you know, I mean, it's, trying. it's really tough to pitch late in the games. Yeah. And you come in and, and you're trying to get ahead of guys and you think you're going to get this free strike. And it's a dude that's, you know, yeah. he might get three at bats this spring training. If he sees a fastball, he's trying to hit 500 feet. Yeah. It, it, they string some of those guys together and all of a sudden, you're sitting there like this. Is my first outing, I'm going to pound the zone, and all of a sudden you give up four runs and you suck. And it's it's like I didn't even get anything out of that because I didn't even get to get deep enough into account to work on anything. You know, spring training is just for me. It's tough to read any outcome. But if if your goal going into the game is I'm not going to walk anybody, I'm going to fill up the zone. Yeah, and you give up four runs. It's almost like you have to be bigger than the results and say like, okay, I accomplished what I was trying to do but at some point you get sick of giving up hits and runs and you know, that's bad for your confidence. So guys, let's take a quick break and then we'll finish up the show. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know, there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick twice a week. I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, the old man and the three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And if you can't read a whole lot in a normal spring, well, imagine this spring with the pitch clock. I mean, everybody's yeah. getting adjusted to the pitch clock. The hitters, everybody. Some guys, even even some guys that were in AAA a lot last year where they used the pitch clock are feeling rushed because you know, they're trying to deal with the whole major league thing and, and they're taught to slow the game down. If it feels like it's get and, and who was it? One of the, uh, Oh, it was Allard, Kobe Allard would tell cause he's gone back and forth for five years, basically in triple A in the majors. And he's worked with pitch clock a lot, but he said, it kind of goes against everything you're taught yep. when you're coming up is okay. If you're in the big leagues, if the game starts getting fast, take a deep step breath, off, step off yeah. the mat. You can't do that. 
Nope. You can't call timeout. You can't step off the mound. It's the umpire's going to go, that's a ball, you know? So you got seven seconds with nobody on, eight, uh, tw- uh, I'm sorry, 15 seconds with nobody on, 20 seconds with a runner on for the, and that's from the time the, the pitcher catches the ball to throw the next pitch. And that can get up on you in a hurry. I, it was ugly for me to, I watched the spring training game the other day when I was getting like at the barber shop or something, they had the game on and, Seeing that clock up there just it yeah. feels it feels gross. I don't like it. You know, I mean, it's like it goes against what what baseball is, what pitching is. Right. You know, like pitching, it's it's all about being in control. And yeah, it, it it's unfortunate that so many guys took that a little too far to the point where right. they're like, all right, thirty eight seconds between pitches. Like, I know you're in control, yeah, like but <laughs> you're boring the shit out of everybody. Yeah. I get that, but yeah, it does. I never would have struggled with it. But it's still it, it made me feel anxious on TV, just watching it on TV. Like shit, he's only got four seconds left. Yeah. You gotta hurry yeah. up. That 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 whole thing. And you know, one of the things that guys struggle with the most is when the game starts speeding up on you and you'll see a guy start throwing a lot of balls. You watch them, they're barely coming set, they're leaking through their delivery, yeah. their arms late because they're already rushing so much. So that's like the sign that the, the game's already speeding up on them so much. Yeah. And now you add in this clock factor, it's like you're even more likely to have the game unravel on you when you rush. And that's almost part of the game now. You have to rush. And the pitchers were telling me the problem, the only problem they've seen so far, because pitchers, they'll adjust. Everybody will adjust. That's why they're doing it all spring, so they can see the clock up there. Uh, I don't think the clocks are going to be as prominently placed when the season starts. But right now, they are right there in your face, uh, hanging from the facade behind. uh, Yeah, it's ugly. Home plate. And then in center field, too, right by the batter's eye. So you can't miss it, catcher or pitcher. Uh, But I had a couple of pitchers tell me the only real problem they've had is if you want to change, if you want to shake off your catcher. With Pitchcom, all of a sudden, it takes longer that with Pitchcom to change the pitch than it did with just Signal. So you might, right. and some might revert to using fingers, at least when there's not a runner on second base. And yeah. they do, because it's longer with Pitchcom, because you got to push those buttons, location yeah. and the pitch, you know? So that's what the, some guys are working out. Guys that tend to, to shake off catchers, you know, they're having some problems doing it and all that in 15 seconds and still doing your delivery. And, and uh, you know, it's where it's going to be nice having catchers that they trust too, that, that, that whatever they put down and the Braves have got a couple of those. And unlike, you know, unlike having a, a guy that maybe you have a veteran pitcher with a, young catcher that really hasn't developed that relationship or that trust. Oh, sometimes with you have to shake like five times. Those guys are going to be, a, a, they're going to have a problem. I can see some young catchers having a problem who haven't developed that trust with pitchers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you literally have to shake. Yeah. You want fastball in and they call fastball away and you go through three other pitches before they throw down fastball in. Yeah. They're sitting here. I can't imagine, you know, like for me, the, Having to this the, like a distraction factor of yeah. there's this fucking thing in my ear beeping and I'm trying right, to get right. this and there's a fucking clock up there. Yes, I I I could see myself having some meltdowns with all this shit going on. You know, I we're mean, gonna it's, it's going to take some. <laughs> we're gonna see some panic throws yes. because especially in a tight situation with a runner on base, the guy's gonna be like, <laughs> I can't get, and he's just gonna throw. You might even see some guy to get hurt. You know, making an awkward you know movement, trying to hurry. 
But I, I, I get, don't know if I could do it. <laughs> they're gonna have to get used to it for sure, man. Because they said they're gonna call them, and they have so far. They've been, they probably even like that game, the first game, the Braves game that ends on ends on the pitch clock violation. That umpire Allard was saying it was like he was quick. He was had a quick trigger. It's almost like they've been told do it at the exact instance because they got to learn. We want to show them that we're serious about this rather yeah. than giving them an extra an extra second or two in the ninth inning, you know, with the game Well, closed. it's better than it happening during the season right. when it actually counts for something. So maybe they and maybe in the regular season, maybe they would not have called that right then because, I mean, yeah. they were like, it was so close. I mean, the guy, the Braves hitter, Cal Conley prospect, is in the box – it's in the box. And the catcher, I still don't know whether he deked him intentionally or not. I think he did. But the catcher's standing. But his feet are in the box, and that's all that he has to have him in the catcher's box, his feet. He doesn't have to be crouched or look like he's ready. The catcher's looking down at his pitch com on his wrist. And he's acting like, you know, I'm, oh, there's a problem. I'm not ready. So Conley's in the box, you know, but he's not looking when they get to eight right. seconds. He's not looking at the pitcher because he's looking at the catcher. He's kind of distracted. So his head's down for that instant. And the umpire said, you got to, at eight seconds, you've got to be looking at the pitcher. So even though Conley's there and they can't quick pitch him yet because the catcher's still standing, they called it Conley and that's, and it ends the game. And he started running to first because he thought that the pitcher was a violation. <laughs> he thought, I'm getting a game winning, a bases loaded walk. And instead, it was a game ending strikeout. It was the most awkward thing. It was like, God, if, good Lord, if this happened in, in a regular season game, much less in a playoff game, can you even imagine that happening in a postseason game? No. <laughs> no. I mean, yeah. I remember a check swing call last year that, or two years ago maybe. It was a Giants game. And the guy probably didn't go. Right. You know, or he probably went. But in my head, I'm thinking he better spin around two times before I end a playoff <laughs> game on that, you know, questionable of a check swing. Like it needs yeah. to be obvious. It needs to be a full hack that if he connected, it goes over, over the fence type of check swing. Yeah. You know, it can't, you can't end the game on that questionable of a, of a, of a call. I mean, it needs yeah. to be a hundred percent to have a game end on a, a batter, not in a box or pitcher. Yeah. I mean, I just, I've watched this stuff and I'm like, it's too much to keep track of for me. There's a lot. I want the ball and I want to throw it. You know, you start giving me all this other crap. Yeah. Yeah. You want to focus on the hitter or what I'm I'm supposed to be throwing. We've seen walk-off bucks, obviously. Yeah. I've seen, I've covered a few of those. It's pretty easy to control that one though. Right. And and the other thing is I'm thinking, and if this happens in a regular season and I should have asked somebody, but I haven't yet. Can they appeal that and go to the clock and look at like where the clock is when they called it? I don't know. <laughs> I know I don't want to sit through that shit. Good lord, if they can, if they can appeal you know, it, I, you're going to see some sit fans a delay over the speed up rule. You're going to see some fans throwing shit on the field like they did with that terrible infield cl- infield fly ruling again the win against the Braves. We're going to see a few of those incidents if a game actually ends on that, or even just a big play that turns a game around, like a bases loaded walk brings in a guy in a tight game on a pitch clock violation. So it's interesting. There's a lot. There's a lot. Um, I like the only thing I love about it, obviously, and the fans are going to love about it while they might hate a rule and go against them. The pace is great. Is it? Because the games, these three and a half, especially remember the Yankee Red Sox games that all went like four hours for a while there. These games are all going two and a half and it's spring training where you're making five, six pitching changes. Well, if it, if it, they're going two and a half hours. If it's doing that, oh, yeah, it's I mean, working. There's, there's nothing like, 
Yeah, a fast baseball game. It you know, is like a quick. Travel day or something like it's that. It's so noticeable, man. The, the 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 amount of dead time is cut down just dramatically. It's dramatic. Okay. And, well, I'll and, get on board with it if it's saving that much time. It, oh, it's going to save the time for sure. And then the other thing, the other rule, the rules that go hand in hand with this and the number of uh, the limited to two pickoff throws and the bigger bases. What I've seen so far, even though we don't have a ton of stolen bases yet, is teams are going to really be aggressive. And the Braves are one of those teams. You're seeing guys like if a pitcher makes the first pickoff throw, you're seeing guys get a lot more aggressive. If he makes a second pickoff throw, they're going to be going. See, so what I don't understand. And then he better throw them out or it's a ball. So you basically have one pickoff throw. Basically. if, if, If you burn the second one. Can they just lead off halfway to second base? No, because you can still pick him off, but you've yeah, got to do you it. You have to get him. You have to get it. Or it's a balk. And that's why I wrote about how the Braves have a great weapon, and that was a genius trade to trade for him right now, Sean Murphy, because he's got a cannon. And not only does he have a cannon arm, but it's so accurate. Yeah. So those we're going to see more back picks than we've seen in forever. I mean, because it's unlimited. He can backpick 10 times in one. At the, It's to the point where if a guy does it so much, they might even – maybe they'll have to do a backpick rule. But I, I hope not. The Braves hope not because Sean Murphy is going to be able to backpick, and he's got such an accurate arm. Like a lot of catchers, it's risky. You're going to throw it in the right field corner, the guy's going to be yeah. at third base. Well, Sean your Murphy, first baseman needs to be able to catch it. Right. And Olsen – Last year, notwithstanding, has been really good about catching balls. He, he but, just had like four weird times right. last year where he and he's real familiar with uh, Murphy, obviously because he played with him in Oakland, right. so he knows yeah. what to expect. But Murphy throws a cannon down there, uh, throws a throws a bullet down there, and that's why they've all, they've had the infielders already work on catching his throws, and they did not done that in the past with catchers, specifically on catching throws. Like hey, just. It's coming just like it's coming live and be ready because it's <laughs> going to get on you. So it's going to be interesting, man. It's going to open up a whole different dynamics and, and strategies, you know, that you better use. It's like, it's like South Asano told him, we got a weapon now. We better use it. Yeah. You know, because he said, when that ball's in a guy's hands, to me, it's a weapon. You're a weapon. If you're, if you have the ball in your hands and he's got a guy, he's a guy with a cannon arm that throws really accurately. So, you're going to see him throwing to first. You're going to see him throwing to third. You know, he might be back picking guys at third. We don't know. Or second. You know, guy gets a big lead. You got you got a couple of quick guys there, especially Ozzy. It's so tiny and quick. Yeah. I think you might see Ozzy get over there in a hurry and back pick, try to pick back pick a guy that's uh, getting a little uh, careless at second. So it's going to be interesting. To, I'd have to, I guess, um, unless you know this, but I wonder how an inside move would affect those. Because it gets really tricky when you can't, um, you can only pick the second twice, right? You know, like an inside move that would, I guess, that would probably right. count as a, a pickoff attempt. Every time you step off the base, it's a disengagement. Got it. Whether you throw it or not, if you call timeout, yeah, that's a disengagement. So you just get two disengagements. Yeah, per batter, uh, per. But if the batter advances, you get two more. It resets. Right. 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 But um, and you're going to have to. And the other thing where it's going to be really beneficial to have veteran experienced catchers is the pitcher 
is not going to be able to stop the clock as it's running down. If he's like scrambling going, I have, Oh man, we're messed up. There's one second yeah. left. I don't know what I'm throwing. He can't call timeout, but the catcher can go out there. But there's a mound visit. Yeah. You've got like five mound visits, the catcher. So if you got to have a catcher that's tuned to that and, and it's ready, but if the catcher calls timeout, he can go out there and might save, a, save your pitcher a few times in a game. And they give you an extra mound visit in the ninth inning. I'd like to see, you know, if if they have all two and a half hour games this year and it does nothing <laughs> for to grow the game, if they could just be like, all right, we're we're shit canning all this. It's not gonna happen. I know it's not. Yeah. But the only <laughs> way it would would be if the only way I could see, because it's all money, you know it's always about yeah. money. The only way I could see it working is if you didn't, if you had an outcry, you didn't have an, uh, you didn't have increases in in fan interest ratings, attendance, or anything like that. And at the same time, you were a, you were unable to fit as many commercials into a game. Ah, uh, yeah. But I, but that doesn't really matter because those that fit in in pitching changes and between innings and between innings time didn't get smaller. Of course, right, right. They, didn't, no. they weren't going to touch that, right? Or postseason when the between innings is even longer. So that's the only way I could see it is if somehow you weren't able to get as many commercials in, but it truly shouldn't matter. Although a lot of some of these networks have started doing that commercial within the game. You know what I mean? Where they show and they could do that before when a pitcher, especially if a slow pitch, you can't do that now. No, the pitch might be coming. and They're still that, talking about because those are like fifteen, up. ten to fifteen seconds, and they <laughs> yeah. they do that quick thing while they, it's like a picture in picture thing. So and so is lawn care. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. So 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 if some teams were making a lot of money off those, they might have to cut those out. That might they might raise hell, but I, I just can't see them going back unless unless it just really has a lot of ramifications that they did not want. But they want the faster games. And they want more offense, so I know those other rules are going to stay in place because yeah. there's going to be a lot more running, which I'm glad because I I hate I hate I've hated seeing base running almost just removed. Be gone. Yeah. yeah, no, and yeah, it's outs. like oh, he's a great base runner. It's just a guy that can go first to third right. now or takes you know he routes. gets a good read on a shallow right. fly ball when he's on second. We're not going to yeah. get 120 stolen bases like Vince Coleman and Ricky Henderson. <laughs> right, we're gonna we're gonna see some 40 to 50 stolen base guys now which we haven't seen in a long time and pitch outs. It's like Ian was telling me the other day, you used to coming up, used to be a ha- pitchers used to have to do certain things. And in the past few years, it really haven't like pitch outs have like nobody's running become extinct. Yeah. Now you're going to have to be able to do that more. You think, I, mean, I can't, it just it blows you. my mind that that, you know, an inch or whatever on the bases, a few inches on the bases would, would change the game that much. It's four and a half inches. Yeah. Four and a half inches. That much. And think how many bang bang plays there are where we have to go look at the yeah, camera true. and they arrive at exactly the same time. Well, it's just like first base, like putting first base at 90 feet. Whoever came up with that, you know, every yeah. every single ground ball, routine ground ball to shortstop, they beat them by half a step. Yeah. It's like, and a lot, and a lot of that is that, yeah. I mean, the they timing got, of it, but right. And guys work towards that. Yeah. It's like, it's almost like dumb luck that they did pick that distance because it, but you got to think if it was 88, we'd still have the same number of bang, bang plays. Uh, there'd be more hits though, because they'd have to play closer to try to, to get them, you know? Yeah. But like we talked about, I think we mentioned before what people haven't talked about is um, with the bases, the first baseman being closer, to he's going to be closer yeah. to the throw. Yeah. And like Freddie, you know, how he extended a little further than most because he did the splits and yep. like, like, uh, 
like uh, Vlad Jr. does the splits too, like Freddie used to. Vlad's right. doing them still. But Olsen, those guys that are already long-armed, I mean, you're going to add another inch to that, and on a bang-bang play, that can make a difference. Yeah. So. Yeah, that'll, that'll be a fun thing to watch for me and just see. Yeah. I always I don't appreciate think, it. Yeah. I don't think just the shorter distance between the bases themselves would have made a huge difference, but I think with the minute, with the restriction on the pickoff throws yeah, and the clock and the shorter bases, I think it's all going to add to really make a difference. It's going to be noticeable. And it's exciting watching guys steal bases, you know? It's going to be like the ballsiest play in, in baseball is to go for that third pick. Oh, yeah. You, you know? Oh, yeah. Like if if a dude does that in a big situation, yeah, and the guy's getting a huge lead at third base, and and Max is pitching, and Max right. knows I might get his ass. I'm going for it. Like and that's a ballsy play. And Max is a guy could do it because look yep. at his percentage, kind of like Julio yep. Tehran was. But Max is really high percentage of pickoffs. Yeah. So hey, I, Julio, his was a balk, but it was yep. so good for right so effective. Hand. It'd be like if I was Julio, I'd almost try to burn the first two to get them to take a huge lead and not have shown them my good one yet. Right. See if I could get them. But guys are obviously going to learn that real quick. If Max yeah. is taking them or whatever, but I, you know, I was tell, talking to somebody about how having a guy, a catcher with a great pickoff, a back pick throw, what it's going to do is shrink that secondary lead that guys are right. going to get against some inferior catchers. You're going to see some huge secondary leads when a pitcher's already used two pickoff throws, yep. just daring that pitcher to throw over there. Yep. You know, there's gonna be some. There's gonna be some big secondary leads. Yeah, we haven't even talked about there being no shift. I mean, that's definitely gonna affect offense too. Oh man, we saw that in the very first game. Matt Olson's first AB in the first inning. It's ground ball in the hole. <laughs> yeah, and I think it was a codify showed him hitting the ground ball last year, which became a routine ground out to the guy stationed in shallow right field. He hits it to the exact same spot this year. Routine single right through. Nobody got yeah. close to it. Dude, he's going to – him and Freddie and a few other guys, obviously, but those are the two that I'm most familiar with recently. <laughs> Freddie might I could, hit 400. <laughs> I could see him getting another 12, 15 hits in the season. Can't you? More than that. Yeah, that's – I don't – I'm just that. being conservative because I'm in my head, it seemed like there was always one, like every game or two that they hit into the shift. Yeah. No, you know? I, I think it's that's going to be the biggest change in the game overall are those top spin hard ground balls. Not to mention that if you if you hadn't adapted or changed your approach to avoid that, you know, as a lefty. Yeah, yeah but sure. how many more it would be. But now it's like, oh, I got free reign to pull the ball hard. You know, I, I think guys will be a lot less afraid to just sell out and pull the ball because a lot of times when you're trying to drive the ball and pull it, yeah, and you're a little early. That's when you miss. You still barrel the ball, but you topspin it. You hit that hard ground ball to the left of the second baseman. Yeah, or or those topspin line drives that you'd see the second baseman or whoever was out there, third baseman playing shallow right. Those balls that they'd catch that nobody should ever be there. You know, based on what baseball's been up until the shift started. Yeah, I think it's 25, 30 hits a year minimum. That, I was about to say, can you imagine Minimal. Freddie adding 30 hits to some of the years, the averages he's had? Uh, I'd say 50. <laughs> I mean, I, one every three games. You don't think Freddie hits one of those I know he did. every three I games? I know he did. I covered him. I know he did. And I know Matt Olson did a lot of them last year. But Freddie, I know he had years where he had 25 to 30 hits stolen. I uh, know so he what's did. He, what's he, what did he hit last year? He hit oh like God. Three, 330, 327? <laughs> it's going to be interesting to watch, man. I mean. 
I mean, maybe maybe the team, though, brings the second baseman over further and gives him that up the middle a little more. But Freddie can hit it up the middle. He he, the, the, having three infielders on one side, you know, because then that's what the that was what the shift did was. And Freddie was a back control guy, but Freddie didn't hit ground balls to the left side. Right, right. It's line drives to the left side. Right. So they're they're giving up nothing defending the left side against him. You yeah. know, once in a while he's late or something, or hits a weak one that that scrambles through. But for the most part, his ground balls are all to the right side. And it's just because of his bat path. And then left side, it's hard line drives yeah. that you weren't going to make a play on anyways. You throw three guys over there on the right side of the infield. Yeah, I, I mean that's thirty percent less guys on the. I haven't heard anybody yet respond to that. What you showed some teams that already figured out how you can move the left fielder over. Yeah. And bring him in. I haven't heard anybody respond to that if that's going to be legal or what. But I could see the infield against Freddie lining up something like having the third baseman over where shortstop was, have shortstop just to the left of the base. Yeah, and then, then let have the second you, baseman run way over there. But you're and still it, giving a huge, uh, a big hole on his pull side. Right, and then have the second baseman shade over towards first base. Right, and then as the pitch is thrown, you have your shortstop run over. After, because they're gonna, they're gonna, if they, if guys start running before the pitch is done, they're gonna call them. It's gonna be an infraction. But as the so, pitch what's is, the penalty for that? Uh, uh, good, good question. It's pretty severe. You don't want to do it. Yeah, I don't know if it's awarded a walk, but it might be. It might, it, it might be, be awarded a, it the could base. Be a, like a, like a catcher's interference. You know, like when you hit the yeah. glove and it's a free single. Yeah, but I could see them doing that and trying to get over there. But then, but she, but you know, Freddie. As you know, in BP, all he does is try to hit line drives over the shortstop's head. That's yeah. his BP. It's what he does for most of BP. So, you know. It's his misses, though. You know, his misses or when right. he goes for the pull that he hits that shallow topspin right. line drive yeah. or a pulled ground ball to the right side. I think, I mean, he had almost – he had two, 199 hits last year. He could get 250 <laughs> this year. <laughs> even I if would, he gets 225, imagine yeah. how much of his – you know, even yeah. if he had 15 hits. Yeah, the average goes up so much. Yeah. Olsen doesn't have that kind of back control to hit it to the left side like Freddie does. Olsen hits so many balls into that right there, just kind of helpless, you know. And if, yep. if, you know, and a lot of times he'd miss one and roll over to that, but he hits it hard enough that if there's nobody there, he's going to get through. I think you know? about it a lot with BMAC's career because oh, yeah. I mean, the averages he had early on in his oh, career. Oh, yeah. And then they started shifting on him. And it, it's so funny because guys are like trying to fix their swing, figuring out what's wrong with them. Yep. Yeah, they're, they're like, fuck, I don't know what's going on. It, they're making all these adjustments. You're like, no, it's you were hitting 330 when you came yeah, up. Yeah, B-Mac was a 300 have... hitter, man, when he came up. And he, he was hitting line drives to that guy shifted over there, too. Line drives yes. right to it. Yep. And those are instant base hit without a shift. I mean, yeah. that was where he hit them all the time. It was like 2011. I think it was 2012. I remember playing this series against the Cubs. And we were hitting lasers up the middle, and it's like, you know, you're on the bench. You see the ball off the bat, and they were close games. And we thought we got to go ahead and hit. It happened like three or four times in the series. We thought yeah. we got this big hit, and the second baseman or shortstop was just standing on second base catching it. We're like, what the hell is this? And it, I remember that was around the time that the shift started really coming into play. And that's when BMAX average went from at least 270 every yeah. year down yeah. to 230, 256. And people wonder what, what was wrong with him, but they didn't really it's think like, about yeah. No, that and that's that's probably the hardest thing is righties didn't have to deal with that. Nope. Never. You know, nobody was taking the second baseman and, and nobody in the in the six hole. 
I mean, if if people had known when they're raising their kids what the shifts were going to do, <laughs> yeah. there been a lot of people who had them hit right hand instead of left, or hit when like Freddie. <laughs> when they're, yeah, when they're young enough to to be able to hit from either side, yeah, and they want to naturally hit left, be like, no, hit right. I mean, the, the shift did that much. I'm interested to see how Joey Gallo does this year. Um, a lot of lefties. Yeah, Olsen's one of them. Freddie, I'm just curious. I know he's going to rake either way, but there, there's quite a few guys at those. Yeah. It's like those top spin singles, too. The top spin hard ground ball that kind of picks up speed as it goes. Right. It's it gets through get the through. dirt. Well, it gets through the dirt and then it hits the grass. And it's just like, yeah, easy for that guy that's standing out and right. Yeah, he just feels a routine. Boom. It's easy. There's no bad hop. The speed doesn't matter. Like yeah. it just eats it up and you throw the guy out. And, you know, majority of the big slug and left handers aren't burners on the bases. So they're and, not beating those. And balls Olsen out. can't run for shit. I mean, he's slow. Right. So he got right. even more he needs it to get through. Yeah, he got yeah. even more of them wrong. Yeah, they could play five steps deeper on him. Yep. Yep. So yeah, I think you're gonna re- really see Olsen's average go up this year, like a lot. And he's looked God, good by, by so the way happy. so far. He's looked good. He's in great shape. You could tell he's so much more relaxed this year. I mean, last year yeah. he was traded to the Braves. He's kind of He's a quiet guy. I mean, he's everybody likes him. He's real friendly and all that. But he's not the kind of boisterous guy that's going to come into a clubhouse. And he's traded. The spring training has already started. And he's replacing yeah. Freddie Freeman. There was yeah. so much pressure on that guy, even if he didn't show it from the fans and everybody. Well, anytime you go to a new organization, I think. Yeah, especially. And he's going home, hometown. A team trying to win. You know, I yeah. mean, it's like it's one thing to go to a team that's. You get traded Pirates. It's There's yeah. not all this pressure. It's like, all right, well, at, I don't know why they even got me because we're going to lose 115 games. But right. when you get traded to a team that's that's looking to win and there's yeah. all this pressure and expectations and you're going from Oakland to a bigger state, like bigger right. crowds, bigger expectations, you know, crazier atmosphere, way more studs around. So it's harder to stand out. You know, I think he seems like a guy that would want to blend in. But I yeah. just I don't think too many guys can just uh, – if anybody Latin dudes seem to do it the best. Just, yeah. Seamlessly transfer into a, a chaotic atmosphere, be out of their comfort zone, and I think a lot of that's just the games they play at home in the off season that are crazy, and then also they are so used to being out of their comfort zone, being yep. in a different country, exactly different language. They're not there's, as aware of all yeah. the chatter that's going on, yeah. or don't care. You there's know, not a lot you can throw at those guys, right? And, and he's coming home to his hometown. And everybody's it's replacing Freddie. That's huge, yep. man. Everybody's like, okay, so you're replacing Freddie, huh? All right, let's yeah. see what you can do. It's like, yeah. and then he got off to a good start. He's hitting tons of doubles, but no homers. And then he started hitting homers. And then he went in the worst slump of his career late in the season. Everybody's like, oh, my God, Freddie never slumped like that. And then he <laughs> had a couple of balls that he just missed that he never yeah. misses. He's yeah. like, I don't even know what's happening, man. I never miss balls like that. But you know he had to have been feeling it. I think that's the type of stuff that that happens when you're feeling that pressure I'm yeah. talking about is you do something that shut your never happens. Like, shut my glove. I can't catch. What do you, t- you know, that's the type of stuff that happens when you're making your major league debut or, yeah. or coming, you know, onto a new team where it's just like, fuck, it's, it, I'm I'm feeling so much pressure that I I, can't, I couldn't catch a ball right to my chest. It's a major and, league first And chase. then it happened a couple of times, and it's almost like, okay, now, now it's, it's got to be think, okay, here it's just easy, you know. Yeah. It's thinking and then about. you start, but what happens, you start thinking about how to catch, you know, you've yeah. done it your whole life, and then that ball's coming, you're like thinking about when to close your glove. Yeah, and then you do it too early, or something weird happens. It, just because of it becoming a thing. Uh, one more thing before we get off here. Um, 
the the Braves media Liberty Media, you know, they have to release their quarterly reports because they're the one of they're the only publicly or one of only two publicly owned teams. So they have to release their earnings, which is great for us. MLB hates it because they don't want to see teams people to know how much teams are making. You're right. It's hard to hide it though in this. You gotta if and if you know how to read the stuff, you know, it's really complicated. So the average person probably is not gonna look at it, but it but it's all there. You cannot right. hide it because you gotta give it to you. Well, anyway, Braves released theirs again uh the quarterly report uh, for the this was for the annual for the whole thing for 2022 they had record revenues they made 588 million dollars in revenues last year record they still reported a uh loss an operating loss because you know they spent more for players they spent more they have debt they have all these different things they had operating it just it's complicated but they they reported a, a revenue loss of 15 operating income loss of 15 million uh that's rich people stuff right but the thing that jumped out to me other than the 588 million dollars in total revenues god damn they made over half a billion dollars like revenues but the thing that stood out to me was now we know what it means for a team because I don't think we've ever seen this because teams will have you think that they don't make a ton of money on the postseason. Right. They'll have you they'll have you think they don't they don't it's not as high as you think. Well, we know pretty much exactly what the Braves made for winning the World Series because their fourth quarter revenues went from 102 million in 2021. That's between October 31st, December 31st. So that's just for basically winning the World Series. Right. They went from or October 1st to they went from 102 million for the fourth quarter in 2021 to 53 million last year when they made first round loss and exit. Only played two home games last year. So the double. previous previous year they made they played the division series at home, NLCS at home, and what uh three World Series games at home. Then everything else, because the Braves are maximizing this stuff because they got the battery, which That's was packed every doing. night. They had to turn yeah. people away. They had so many people yeah. there. So they're making even more, right? And all the other teams are now starting to build out their ballparks, too, and have these villages and all this stuff. Everybody's trying to do it now. Anaheim's building one around their park. So the Braves literally made $49 million more in 2021 for that fourth quarter than they made last year. So the World Series was worth Advancing those extra two around fifty million dollars to the, and that's not including at all what the players made, which was over four hundred grand a piece, right? In player share for advancing and win the World Series, four hundred—that's like almost half a million a a, a piece. That's crazy. I would think it'd be more, you know, to to take a team to the 400, World Series. Let's say four hundred million, four hundred thousand the playoff share. Yeah, almost half a million piece. Almost half a million a piece to player, yeah. player, and anybody else they gave a full share to, whether it's clubbies yeah. or anybody else. Yeah, usually pretty generous with those too. Yeah, so that's on top of the team itself made forty nine million dollars for winning the World Series. So think about that when a team's deciding whether at the at the deadline they got a really good team in contention and all that, and they're deciding whether to spend that extra five ten million dollars to make some trades or whatever. If you think it can make the difference in winning the World Series. Hey, you're gonna net 35. If yeah, you, you yeah. might it might be worth five times that investment that you could yeah. make rather than sit pat or even eliminated. just signing a player in the offseason, you know, committing the next sure. 15 or 20. It's just if sure. you you know, if you're out in the first round. Right. 
now it's a negative net decision. So it, it is a win in the world series is obviously the goal of everybody. You don't need extra motivation, but if players can get another half, you know, a half a million dollars and the team can make another $50 million for winning the world. So that's a hell of a lot of motivation on top of just wanting to be the best. Yeah. Financially. I would think it'd be even more than that. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that that doesn't take into account some of the other stuff that came in as a result too, because right, think yeah, about yeah. it. They kept making money after the, the yeah, end of okay, that quarter. Got it, got it. This is just that quarter. That's yeah. just through December 31st. Cause they, that doesn't include all the season tickets that they sold in January okay. and yeah, February yeah. leading up to the next year. Yeah. I'm looking at it like that's, that's yeah. And all the gear and all the, mil to win the world series. Right. If you take into account all the more people that tickets that were sold and all those people buying everything and parking and all that, that coming to the ballpark next year because of the one world series. Yeah. I'm sure it does end up being well over a hundred million more. Yeah. But that's just right there for those three months difference. So anyway, they're making a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> and once yeah, they get it's nice to see that out there. Cause yeah. And once they get all the debt paid down and everything, you know, it gets lower as the years go by. From from building and all the stuff they've yeah. added because they're still building in that. Once they've got it all built and it's just more revenues coming in because the leases keep going up, apartments there. They're, they're building this luxury tower, the Aaron, the the Henry Aaron or the Aaron, the Hank or whatever it's going to be called. Luxury apartments beyond left field, beautiful, like million dollar condos. Nice. There's going to be a lot more, and the Braves are getting a percentage of everything at the battery. <laughs> everything. I know. That's that's the way to do it. Yep. Yep. I don't yep. I mean it, it's crazy to think that it took that long for teams to put that together. The first time I saw it was well Wrigleyville, but also in Philly. When Philly put all those bars across the street that were always slammed. Right. Um, I was like, man, that's pretty I don't know if the team owned that or if that was that's somebody else. Drop in the bucket compared to yeah, what the Rays have got. Nothing compared to the battery. Now they're trying to do it in every sport. You see the yeah. NBA arenas, they're wrapping retail around them. And the football stadiums are building now and the parking lots are building, trying to build villages, but especially baseball because you play 81 games. Yeah. And you think about all the traffic and everything to get there that, like, what are people supposed to do if they don't right. sit in traffic? Right. And after the game, too, if you don't like have a to Turner go- Field. Yeah, Turner Field was like... There was nowhere to go if you got there two hours before the game. There was nowhere to go. And after the game, I didn't even bother leaving until... I would wait an hour and a half. I right. just and I, fans I, I had nowhere to go. In. Fans Anytime had nowhere that, to go. I remember one time... So if, if we left Turner Field right after the game, the cops would let you through this, this one exit that they closed off, and you could just jet in and be out of there in, yeah. in 10 minutes. But if you missed that, I remember one time I got out. stuck in that Turner Field... The cop wasn't there that day or something. No, it, was you know, it, it was like I'd get didn't, home at the same time as I would if I would have just waited an hour and drove yeah. home. If you didn't know the surface streets and how to get out of there immediately and go You're down towards Grand Park, you like tried to go to the highway straight from there. Yeah, you sat You're there done. for a long time. It was bad. It was bad. Yeah. So you give people something to do that kind yeah. of nullifies that. Now they you can, can leave have a have some food, beer. Yeah, because it's not easy to get out of there after the at, at the battery afterwards. But it doesn't matter because you can. Your car's already parked. You can just walk over to the restaurant, bar, whatever. Walk yep. around, people watch, whatever. Hang out, and then it yep. dies down for an hour. Yeah. So, and that's just ching ching for the Braves. <laughs> yeah. Cash registers rolling at all times. <laughs> I need a uh, casino. Anyway. Oh, I'm sure that's probably coming. Yep, I think that's so, legal. Too. Yeah. 
All right. Okay. Well, we'll keep doing this uh, one a week before uh, leading up to the leading up to the uh, regular season. Then we'll start with two a week, and things will get interesting, really interesting, in another week or two when they start when starters start going, the regulars start going three four innings, and the uh, and and you send out a lot of the minor leaguers, and the regular hitters are getting three four bats. Uh, then it'll be really interesting. Right now, it's kind of hard to draw a whole. It's hard to gauge early on. Yeah. But but the big big thing is health and the Braves so far have knock on wood avoided any major injuries. And man, you see some of the injuries around baseball. Wow, devastating. Gavin Lux. Oh my ACL. god. ACL. He's got so your counting on, broke his toe. Yeah. You're counting on Lux to be your shortstop. That's how baseball goes. You give up on trade, you let Trey Turner walk and yep. Yep, here you go. So now they have the other guys not going to the WBC because he's got to get his ass ready to play to be the regular shortstop every day. No, we can't risk it now. <laughs> You're staying here. So I I I fully understand why Snit is taking it so easy on I'm not taking any veterans on the road yet and all this because he teams learned last year that you don't need six weeks of spring training to get position players ready and relievers ready. Like mentor right. hasn't pitched in a game yet, you know, yeah. and you, and the, and the, you open them up so much more risk to injuries just by playing guys that many more. If a guy only needs 30, 40 at best to get ready, then he doesn't need 70, you know? Yep. Chef used to tell me I need 20 ABs and I'm ready. The chef is extreme, but most needed, guys don't need more than 40 to five 50. games. Yeah. Yeah. When you're not having to build up stamina as a reliever, you're just risking injury, man, pitching a whole lot in spring I would, I would hit, like, my sixth game, and I'd be like – it's when I knew I made the team. When, you know, when you're not on the team, you're like, right. shit, don't, don't mess it up. Like, I keep this going, don't mess it up. But I'd hit my fifth or sixth when I knew I was on the team, and I'm like, the only place to go from here is down. I'm ready. Everything's locked in. Yeah. The only thing I can do is get into a bad habit from here. You know, it's like, let's, let's get the season going. And you always see starters – it, uh, not always, but you see so many starters in that last start or two when they're like, ah, oh, it's just a tune-up, and they go out for like three innings and get shelled, and it's like they had a really good spring, and they go out for this tune-up, and they're just horseshit. It's like you know in their head they're going, okay, I'm not going to go out here and go max effort every pitch, try to make every pitch perfect and all this. I'm healthy. I'm ready. I'm going to relax. Yep. Get to get to opening day. So I think the tune-up in effect doesn't even really do anything, man. It's just a you're just treading water to get to opening day. Yep. And I think Snit is approaching it like that. There's no reason to run Charlie Morton out there in February, you know? No. This, he's going to yeah. be your fifth star, fourth starter. Well, if older guys too, you talk to them, you're like, yeah. what, what do you want to do? What do you need? Do you, wanna, you want and five a, starts, and then you just yeah. map it out. And he had a normal offseason, so he came in ready, did his regular yeah. throw, and not, not like last year. Yeah. So, all right, that's it. 755 is real. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it.